Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. I'm looking at him. Boy, I know all, everybody here is so envious of my view right now because I am looking at Mr. Andrew Decker. That is truly disturbing. You know, we've had weirder intros. No, we haven't. I don't know. I think maybe that, we have. That might be the creepiest that we've had. Uh, well, you know, I apologize. Trying to mix it up. Keep people on their toes. Don't. don't no? No. Should we just dive on into it? Yeah. And if you want to get any closer, you're going to need a warrant. Okay. <laughs> well, there's a nice segue. There's a segue, <laughs> boys and girls. Uh, we're going to be discussing search warrants today. Um, and you know, yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, it's something we see quite often search warrants and DWI cases or, you know, thefts, assaults, all sorts of stuff. Honestly, I'm amazed how few search warrants I see. Why is, why is that? Well, let's, let's think about why search warrants wouldn't be needed. The officer is present when the offense is committed. Uh, Well, sure. Yeah. So DWI, drug possession. Um, assault family violence, you know, if the officer shows up and sees it or sees that it happened so recently that they can ascertain that it happened, they don't have to get a search warrant to make an arrest. So a lot of, they don't. Well, you wouldn't need an arrest warrant either. Right. But right. So, so we don't see search warrants very often. I'm amazed how many cases we have. I mean, I, I think on most of my blood cases, DWI cases, I see search warrants for the blood. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I see, I see, I see quite a few. Now I I will tell you, I don't really question those that much in court. I mean, I, I review them. I don't, I'm not going to file a a suppression because there's a lack of PC probable cause in the affidavit for a search warrant. You know what I mean? Like if I get, if I get blood result from a search warrant, great. I mean, if there's something like crazy going on, but I'm contesting that blood. I'm contesting the way it was drawn, the labs. Not so much the actual search warrant that got me that evidence. Sure, right. Why? Well, I mean, you know, we we were just talking about this. And, and really, what I like about when officers get a search warrant is they're adding in an extra layer of protection. And in some counties, depending on the magistrate that reviews it, it may not really be much at all. But at least there's a magistrate who's saying it's okay for you, Mr. Police Officer, to proceed to gather this evidence. Yeah. So, yes, the the search warrant helps. And for those of you playing along at home, we're looking now to the Code of Criminal Procedure uh, section. Sorry, chapter 18, but we're really going to focus on article 18.01. We're going to keep this simple. There's a lot of information here. Look, there's a lot in our whole section. Article 18 contains a lot of information. For example, if they want to search your body cavity, article 18.24 requires a warrant. Well, if anybody wants to search my body cavity, just recent experience will tell me. Stop. No, not again, Mr. Police Officer. (laughs) (laughs) it's really late in the afternoon when we're recording this i don't know if our listeners will be able to tell yeah and we have not been drinking but we do feel a little punch drunk it's been a bear of a day for sure yeah okay so uh mr decker kick us off what what do they mean by search warrant well it's a written order issued by a magistrate after having a uh 
affidavit brought to them listing out why something needs to be seized as evidence to be brought before the court. Okay. But like, you know, they just, I mean, it's called a search warrant. Are we just like, Hey, I want to go in and look around and that's it. Like, I don't get it. Like, why would you, why would you be able to take things if it's called a search warrant? Well, the, you're searching for evidence that could be used in trial or used against a defendant it may not be in trial, right? Often a blood blood results not going to be in trial because we are not going to trial on a DWI. Although I think I'm going to be trying them more often. Oh yeah. That, that's, that's a different topic. Um, I mean, I, I don't really, I still don't think there's any reason not to, I just got out of a DWI trial. So it's, it's something I, I really hope to be doing a lot more of as well. Yeah. Um, but if they, if they get a warrant, a search warrant, they're looking for something that, which has to be returned or proof of has to be returned to uh, the magistrate. Right. And, and then the evidence uh, held so that it can be used at a later time. Yeah. So, so I guess just the gist of that is like, you know, Hey, it's called a search warrant. This is like extreme basic law, but that it allows the officers to also take and obtain specific items related to that. So, you know, if you go in, um, that's why search warrants need to be very specific when they're requesting items from a magistrate. Like, cause you know, if you go in, you get a search warrant for a house and you're looking for, um, just, uh, drug paraphernalia, but Hey, you also see, you know, laptops that could or could not, you know, maybe they don't contain any information about drug running, but they could, you can't take that laptop. You have to be very specific to what you're allowed to search and take. So it's just very important. It has to be pretty specific. And that's why sometimes you see search warrant affidavits that just kind of, you know, boilerplate, they throw everything out there um, as much as possible just to take as much or, or whatever they think um, evidence could be hidden or, or secreted in or whatever. Right. But the officers also have to follow the search warrant and be reasonable. Yes. If, for example, they're looking for uh, evidence of a stolen car, so they're looking for a 2015 F-150, and they come to my house, probably they shouldn't look in my house because I can't drive it through the front door. Right. They probably can look in the garage or in the barn or maybe the shed, depending on the door size but they can't look in the house. Why? I can't put an F-150 in my house. Yeah. Um, I've had a few search warrants that I contested. Well, not the search warrant, but evidence that was recovered because they were looking for something bigger than a shoebox, and they were going through um, dresser drawers. And I said, judge, that item could not have been found in those drawers. They yeah. were well beyond the scope of the search warrant. Now, have you ever had to uh, ha had an issue come up where they where they would claim like plain view doctrine, where they get a search warrant to to you know go look for you know I don't know sneakers or maybe a weapon or something, and then they bust into the place executing their search warrant and they see cocaine or some other drugs sure. on the kitchen table, they can take that. I mean, that's the plain that, view doctrine that right. plain view obviously doctrine. Um, they're not going to leave the Coke for, you know, whomever to enjoy later. Now, if they see the Coke and money and scale sitting on the table and they think the computer might have proof of, or the cell phone might have proof of dealing. Yeah. They can, they can basically hold the house. Yeah. Right. Basically say no one can come or go and they can go get a new search warrant. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep. 
saying we, you know, we were executing this search warrant looking for um, uh, something random, something yeah. random, right? A refrigerator, right? I'm just using Some, something yeah. big, right? Super random. Yeah. Right. Um, but big enough that they're not going through drawers, right? And then they find drugs on the table. They then see also see a computer that was sitting right there by it, but they can't get into it. They can't seize it because that's not. And they go, hey, because of the amount of drugs, because of the scale, because of the money, we believe that the cell phones and the computer sitting on the table with the drugs may contain proof of right. manufacturing, delivery, other, other evidence of yeah. drug delivery. And so they can hold the house where no one can destroy the evidence, possible evidence, have a magistrate look at it, get it signed and get it served. And really, that sounds like it's a long time. That that could be a matter of of an hour or so. Yeah, maybe even maybe even you know shorter than that, depending on how accessible the magistrate is and where they are. Right? Can they get an email? Can they get a fax? And then can that be returned back to the officers pretty quick? So, um, you know that like the process. Andrew Decker uh, kind of um, you know talked about this a little bit. The process starts with an officer submitting an application or an affidavit of probable cause requesting a, uh, a search warrant. Right. And, and that should lay out sufficient probable cause to, uh, to, to give the judge, you know, to, to lay out the reasoning for why the search warrants needed and all that kind of stuff. And then um, if it does have sufficient probable cause, the judge can then issue the search warrant. And often that search warrant affidavit is going to read a lot like the police report. Um, yeah uh or at least the first everything right yeah, or at least at least some of it a lot of it um and here's a practice tip too because if your case is uh you know has not been filed or indicted you're not entitled really to discovery according to 3914 right. but you can get the um you know an arrest warrant affidavit or a search warrant affidavit once these have been executed and the uh, return is on file with the issuing magistrate Right. And just just file a, a, a Freedom of Information Act request or Public Information Act request. Often, if you go to the court and ask, they'll they, they, they you, have yeah. they'll print it for you. Um, uh, there are some exceptions, sometimes a sexual assault case, a child case, a few things. Uh, sure. Yeah. But that's really we're off in the weeds. If we're talking drugs, DWI, um, an arrest for uh, an assault, um, running guns, something like that it's going to be available. Well, and that, you know, I mean, they do, I think they could hide behind some kind of exemption from that, uh, from the state, if it is like a sexual assault of a child, but you know, we practice so often in kind of a, a mid mid sized County Parker County, and you get to know these magistrates, they'll just give it to you. Um, you know, they may not give it to just a stranger off the street, but they'll probably give it to you if you request it. Do they really come any stranger than you? No. Well, evidently not today. Right. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So Mr. Decker, Mr. Let's, Harris, let's say, you know, I, um, we've got a case. Um, I, I don't think there was enough PC to justify the search warrant. What do I, what do I do with that? Well, you can file a motion to, uh, basically to quash the search warrant to, 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 to school. A motion to withhold to suppress the evidence that the PC yeah. is not not adequate, right? Right. 
But the presumption is if a magistrate, a neutral magistrate has looked at it and signed it, that the burden is on us, the defense, to show that there's not PC in the affidavit, um, which normally on a motion to suppress, right? Let's go back to one of our drug cases where they stop them on the street and they find drugs and they arrest them. Though, well, there, without a warrant, without a search warrant, there, in that motion to suppress, the burden is on, I was about to say on the offense, yeah. <laughs> is, on the, is on the state to show that the officer had probable cause to make the stop, to search, to seize uh, the evidence. But if there's a warrant, the burden is on us and the burden is high. The presumption goes to the state that the third, third party neutral magistrate read the probable cause affidavit, signed it, and they're basically hiding behind the Fourth Amendment, right? right? They're hiding behind the Constitution that says a search warrant must be obtained from a neutral magistrate. They've done that, yeah. and it establishes probable cause. So it's really hard. It's really hard to beat that warrant on its face. Well, yeah. And, and it, but, but notice what I said, on its face. The, the, they can't go beyond what's on, as you said earlier, uh, as we were prepping, the four corners. Yeah, that's right. Now, like in lots of places, the, the, the judge, the magistrate can have some reasonable deductions, right? They can use some reasonable deductive reasoning, um, but it's pretty much got to lay it out. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. And therefore, the probable cause for the stop or for the search warrant is dot, dot, dot. So let's go back to our example. We walk into a house. An officer walks into a house and sees uh, drugs on a table a little bit of money on the table, maybe a scale on the table, and there's a computer sitting next to it. Well, that's not probable cause. He has to list off, I, officer so-and-so, with five years' experience with this enforcement agency and two years in drug enforcement particularly, know that when there's, when there's large amounts of, of drugs, there's money and a scale and a computer, that often this is signs of manufacturing delivery. And the computer, there's probable cause to believe that the computer would contain evidence of, further evidence of the manufacturing delivery beyond what's just available in terms of the drugs, money, and the scale, which could include things like lists, names, locations, emails, right? Yeah. And, then, and then not only are they saying we need the computer, but they're probably going to start listing what the computer might have to further bolster a new search warrant which will come later to search the electronic device. Yeah, the search and seize and, that. And computer, yeah. computer, as we've said many times, could be a cell phone. Um, well, because uh, they, not, yeah, especially with cell phones and computers, they need the the search warrant to to actually go into the house to grab to get the computers, and then uh, you know also contained within that search warrant should be some language about actually physically searching the the uh the contents of right, the hard do, drive or whatever right right so it but, but that like could be that, that, right that could come later right it can once, come later once, yes once, once they, it's there yep. once they have the device they don't have to search it immediately right they know they know the the contents are probably not going to go stale right yeah um uh but the point being they can't just list the stuff on the table and that be probable cause the officer has to list off things like my experience uh my training what I've learned, how these things might be connected. Now, 
a magistrate that does this all the time probably can put that together in their head. Why they've seen these things a million, you know, a million. Yeah. They've seen it. They've seen they've them seen several it times. Lot, right? right. Just like the officer almost. But that's still, it has to be enough that then somebody else looking at it can go, oh, yeah. I may not agree 100%, but there's at least enough there that the neutral magistrate said, I understand what you're asking me, officer. And yes, I will sign the, the, the search and seizure warrant uh, for, the, for the computer, which you can then take and then keep moving from there. Yeah. So, you know, sorry, that's I've, like gotten, you... I, I, I've gotten way off on that, on that illustration. Sorry about that. That's okay. We're just trying to kill time on this one. <laughs> this is just that's a, not true. These, Mr. Harris, do you know that, this is, that we're approaching 10,000 total downloads? This I is not just killing time. That. This is educating the public. You're right. You're right. You're right. We are we we recognize that our listeners' time is valuable, and we appreciate uh, your patronage. Yeah, is that right? Okay. Yeah, patronage. So um, that's so right. we're approaching ten thousand downloads. I just think like at this point in time on the recording, like I'm just I am you know we we can get to that twenty or thirty Andy's, minute mark, and I, I, I and I'd I'm, I'm going to be honest. Andy's phoning it in at this point. He is I, he is dead behind the eyes. He is I, tired. I, He's been in witness prep for the last four or five hours. And yeah. He came in, sat down, and went, "Okay, let's record this." Yeah. So I, I will give I will give uh, Mr. Harith a little bit of leeway and slack, grace. Man. So give you a little bit of grace. Well, here's the deal. But if you read enough of these search warrants, see, I'm back on track. Um, then you then you know automatically like that first paragraph is going to be all about training and experience of this officer and you just kind of gloss over it but it's really important to verify because maybe they've left something out and they have no you know they're just been a traffic cop for for five years they don't have any experience with narcotics you know then that could affect the probable cause going forward like maybe they're just jumping to conclusions themselves so you are limited in those motions to suppress um you know, within to, to stick within the four corners of the actual affidavit, Mr. Decker, I have a question for you, sir. This ought to be good. And I, my, my question is what if somebody just gets a, a, a bug in their, you know, in their britches and wants to just say, Hey, this entire process is unfair. Uh, there's no way that it's constitutional for a magistrate to issue um, you know, a search warrant, um, for, you, you know, in any case, for whatever reason. So, so basically if there's a search warrant, the evidence obtained, you're saying, you're saying that the evidence obtained isn't reasonable, right? I'm not sure I understand the question. Yeah. I'm just saying like, you know, you can, the, the proper way to suppress evidence obtained as a result of a search warrant is to attack the affidavit Right. And stick within the four corners of that. Yes. If I'm if I'm a high minded attorney and I'm just thinking this violates due process and it's it's just unconstitutional, um, period. Um, So are you asking are you saying that that somehow someone, you know, let's say the four unreasonable. Right. right, Under the circumstances. Right. So so if it's if you're trying to say that the four corners. Are good, but there's not really a reason you have to show basically bad faith on right. the act of, of the officer, which yeah. is really hard. Yeah. Right. Especially if they, if they issue a cert, if they write up probable cause, they get it signed and they find something, it's going to be really, really hard to say the officer was acting in bad faith. Right. Basically, basically ladies and gentlemen, think about it, bad faith as um, harassment. 
that the officer would be trying to harass someone. So if they if they got a search warrant for, well, let's say drugs, right? And they want to come and search my house and or my office, that's probably in bad faith because no one who knows me or has ever known me thinks that I have ever used an illegal substance. Yeah. And if they, and especially if you can show like, Hey, this is, you know, um, maybe, you know, in our roles as an attorney, maybe we just cross-examine this and that the entire case fell apart and now they're having a grudge or, or something like that. Right. I mean, like you, that, that could potentially, that could be a showing of bad faith, but maybe not, you know I mean? Like that, that's how, that's how incredibly hard it is. I right. think to show bad faith uh, on the part of an officer who has submitted uh, an affidavit and and had a had a right. search warrant issued per, uh, by a magistrate. Yeah, it's going to be presumed valid. It's going to be cons- presumed reasonable that their action, if they've went and got their proper documentation. Um, so so the, the the search warrant and the warrant are hard to punch through for that very reason. Yeah. So um, what about our like moving on to I think the next. Um, area of search warrants is defining what, who is a magistrate, who can actually issue search warrants. And it's, it's really specifically defined in this code section, right? So where's it defined at? You, so, you, you've looked that one up. You well, get to answer that one. You ask uh, your own question. Uh, um, uh, this is article 1801. Um, looks like H subsection H and that'll be one, two, three. And it's subsections there. Um, but really, you know, what it says is a warrant may be issued only by a judge of a, of a municipal court of record who is an attorney, a judge of a county court who is an attorney licensed by this state, uh, a judge of a statutory county court, district court, court of criminal appeals, or Supreme Court. And when there is, and this is subsection I, when you're in a county that does not have a, a municipal court of record with a courtroom located in that county and a judge who is an attorney licensed by the state, a county court judge who is an attorney licensed by the state or a statutory county court judge, any magistrate may issue a search warrant under Article 1802, which we're not getting to today, but that's basically for like physical evidence, you know. Um, right. Not, not necessarily for, anyways, it's pretty restricted, but look at 1802. Yeah. So basically they need to be an attorney. Most of the time, I think that if you look at one, you're talking about a very, you're going to be talking about a very rural County. If it doesn't have a municipal court of record with a courtroom located uh, and a judge who's a licensed attorney, then, or a County court judge, who's an attorney licensed by the state or a statutory County court judge, any magistrate they may then. So, so you've truly gotten to one of those rural counties where there's not a sitting district judge. There's not a sitting county court at law judge who are licensed attorneys who are, or maybe there is like a county court at law judge, but they're maybe not available. Yeah. Um, then you can start looking at maybe a JP judge who's well, not a licensed attorney. Think about the constitutional county courts. Like we practice in some really small counties and those right. are non-attorney that, That's judges. what I'm saying, right. Yeah. And they, or JP they, judges, right. And they um, would only, a statutory county court judge uh, okay, so 
that it sounds to me like those any magistrate in that instance so they could file or they could sign a search warrant um but in all likelihood if you have something like that i think in this day and age we we typically have district court judges covering um covering each you know each well they may share counties but um if they do share counties they will have some magistrate qualified to sign search warrants there right right so we're not talking about just random people we are talking about in 99.9 percent of the cases it's going to be a licensed attorney it's going to be someone who knows what probable cause is it's going to be someone who takes that job at least relatively seriously especially if you're talking about like a blood warrant at three o'clock in the morning you think man they're not reading that you wait you wake you wake the judges i know up or because it's their weekend to sign that warrant, they're reading it. Yeah, most of the judges I know will meet the officer at the hospital. <laughs> so right. you know they, yeah, and and you know in some counties maybe that's not true, but in my experience, um, there are better ways to attack a case than attacking the search warrants. I mean, you can if it, if it's all you've got. I, I definitely think you need to be reviewing it to make sure, because of course, like that's our job is to be questioning and, and finding holes in the state's case. Um, I just don't think you, it's a very fruitful area. You may, if you find one, you're good to go. If you find an right. issue there, take it and run with it. Um, and the affidavit and search warrant now can be submitted to the judge and submitted back to, uh, and you mentioned this, uh, to the officer via electronic email fax, right? So, and this has actually been been ruled on and looked at in case law as well, that that that's still an in-person. Now, sometimes the, the, the officer will call and say, yes, I swear this out, right? Yeah. But it's got to be someone who the officer knows the judge and the judge knows the officer. There has to be some relationship so that it's not me randomly calling a judge in the middle of the night going, hey, I'm going to send him a fax. Oh, I don't know if this especially if you're talking about a county that has a calling up a district judge or a county court of law judge at two o'clock in the morning, that judge knows those DPS officers, knows their sheriff's department. They're going to know who's calling with the affidavit, fax it over, send it back. So they have, they still, there still has to be some work, but they do not have to go and present it in person to swear it out and say that it's true and for the judge to accept that. And the only other thing I'm really, I think is important to cover, um, well, we're going to move on from 1801, um, but just for this episode, you know, the, the entire chapter 18 covers search warrants. So please, please, please review that. This is kind of like, you know, that, that, um, advice that we got to read chapter 42 a from Michelle Ochoa. Yep. Yeah. That's, this should be our advice. Like no read and know chapter 18, please read it and know it better than Andrew and I talking about it on this podcast. I mean, we know pretty damn good, but especially 1807, I I did, I kind of was like, yeah, it's not going to be a very fruitful area of you to, uh, for you to question the, the search warrant. However, this becomes important. This does become important because search warrants become stale if not executed within a certain amount of time. So that's like actually probably one of the more fruitful areas for you to fight these cases. And generally, you're going to have, um, you know, three days for a search warrant to be uh, to, to for before it becomes stale. Um, and that's for, in general, 10 days if it's for DNA evidence and fi- I'm sorry, 15 days if it's for DNA evidence. And 10 days if it's 
issued under Article 18B354, which we're not going to look up. I don't know what that means. Um, but just know, in general, it's three days. If it's outside of three days, you need to be making sure it doesn't fall into one of these other two uh, right. provision and, subsections. And part of the reason is, let's think about this logically. If if I'm saying there's, well, let's go back to our stolen vehicle, right? It does not take long for a stolen vehicle to disappear, to be chopped, to be you know, to be sold, to be taken out of state or even out of country. No, right? With no. three days, I could have in Canada, right? We don't yes, even to, exactly. Right, we don't even have to go to Mexico. Um, so part of it is is that evidence can be destroyed very quickly. Even some really hard and really big evidence can be destroyed very quickly. So three days doesn't lie that DNA. Right. DNA is the same. It's the same forever. Uh, my DNA is my DNA is my DNA. But you can't get that warrant and just kind of go, well, we're just going to kind of, you know, usually uh, that warrant is issued. And um, depending on what the DNA is and what it's for, they'll actually call and ask the defendant, hey, will you turn in your DNA? Yes, let's make a time. to, And then they go get the search warrant signed so that it falls within the 10 days. Like, like that's on a right. sexual assault case yeah and you know it's it's kind of funny because it's interesting that we're you know typically you would think that that's such a private area of us but we're not really there's really no expectation of privacy with our like with a mouth swab or saliva or anything like that so it's typically something that they can get you know they can get a search warrant on that pretty easy um andrew article 1824 it's a very serious article here it's the one this, i've already brought up yes yes it is and i i just i think before we go and sign off we'd be doing a disservice to our listeners um if we did not warn them about this section which is the body cavity search upon a traffic stop yeah <clears throat> so they, right so so I, I i tell all everybody i know if if the officer wants your breath or blood you tell or or to search your car or something like that, the answer is get a warrant. If they want to do a body cavity search, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Now, here, here's the ironic part, Mr. Harith. If you get arrested for something else and you're taken into custody, there's a good chance they're going to do it. They're, they're at least going to make you do the, the squat and cough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So they're going to kind of do the body cavity search. I don't ever want to be arrested, please, Lord, no. baby Jesus. But and this, this is the, <laughs> the I think it's just so funny. Like our our good legislature found this, you know, hey, this is this is an issue. We need to we need to write a a law about this. And and thank God that we have a magistrate controlling this. But um, an officer may not conduct a body cavity search of a person during a traffic stop unless the officer first obtains a search warrant pursuant to this chapter authorizing the body cavity search and it and it defines the body cavities in case you you don't know the person's anal or vaginal cavity yeah. or any in any manner but, but the term does not. not preclude a pat down right so doing a terry frisk not a body cavity search the lean over and let me mm -hmm. test your yeah nope how's your prostate going yeah, yeah exactly nope. um you know that's it that's it i think this is a good place for us to sign to off end. right <laughs> it's a good place to end <laughs> we've reached the bottom of this episode yeah uh we thanks for it, sticking with us y'all <laughs> it's really gonna be crappy from here or should i continue <laughs>
I'm just thinking like, I don't know who I have more compassion for in that instance, like the officer that is doing the search or like the roadside oh, let's be motorist. Honest. We know some officers that would get their jollies doing that. Good They'd gosh, be like, that is oh, true. Lord. So again, uh, Mr. Harith, we're not going to be, neither one of us is going to be at Rusty this year. And that, that hurts me. Yeah. You, you, you can't go for other reasons. I've got to go pick up a kid from Bryan College Station. Um, so I can't go. Uh, yeah. Well, it happens, you know, but the, this is live stream. So we'll, we will be watching um, and and hopefully we can still find some guests to appear on this show from Rusty. Yes, of course. And if you're listening and want to be a guest, please contact us. You can visit us on our webpage, texascrimdefense.com. And Andrew uh, operates our Facebook page and our Twitter page. And I have no idea what those addresses are. Well, the Facebook, just type in Andrew and Andrew. Texas criminal defense. You're going to find us. Um, our Twitter just, I think we're same at, thing. Uh, you know, it's not the same thing, but I think we're like 20 followers. It, it's, it's a N a T X crim def, right? Yeah. Something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We're up to 20. That's great. We are steadily improving, <laughs> but again, so I do want to celebrate Mr. Harith. You came to me with an idea almost three years ago that I thought was going to be like a trip to Canada, right? Sure. I'll take a trip to Canada. <laughs> I'm never going to freaking Canada. And a few months later, we launched a podcast. We're almost at our three-year anniversary, but our, our stats show that we are, every episode is being downloaded more than they were at the first. Um, Yeah. Each each week we are growing. And we probably, by the time this actually is launched in just a couple of days, we will have crossed the 10,000 total downloads um, of listening. And that's a pretty big deal. It is. It makes, well, we don't know if they're listening. They're just downloading it. Yeah, yeah. And I want to be clear, Mr. Harith, I don't think either one of us have... I think I've landed one case Yeah. off of this. You? No, I don't... know. Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe. But, I, you know, that's not really why we're doing it. No, this has become our hobby and our passion and our love, and, and we enjoy doing it. And so to all the persons who've downloaded, thank you for, yeah. uh, for listening to Andrew and Andrew on Texas criminal defense. Maybe we'll have a celebration as we hit three years and 10,000 listeners. Yeah. And we, we do, we have had an uptick in uh, topics being sent in. So please continue to send those in. We had a uh, that law student, um, uh, last week, last episode gave us some, uh, good, uh, topics. We'll have, we'll continue down his list. Right. Um, and then, so if you do have topics, please let us know. We will probably try to rope you into being a guest. Probably. And that's a good thing because we're fun guys to talk to. Yeah. All right. I mean, y'all be good. <laughs>